Okay, if I'm being honest, this one actually doesn't need an introduction. I mean, the show title is, by dint of the names involved, fundamentally clickbait. Because there's no bigger celebrity story right now than the romance between Super Bowl-bound NFL superstar Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. A freshly minted billionaire, Grammy winner, in the midst of a economy-shaking world tour. And yet despite their wholesome personas, even they have not escaped the toxic undertow of American politics. For example, here's YouTuber Benny Johnson. They just miraculously start dating right when he goes to the Super Bowl so that Taylor Swift gets maximum exposure right before everyone is beginning to build up that Taylor Swift could win the election for Joe Biden. And this kind of chatter is basically how this topic ended up on Saturday Night Live. The clues are all there if you look at the Midnight's track list, okay? It will be karma for sweet nothing, a.k.a. Biden's brain, that the mastermind behind it all will, of course, be Barack Hussein Obama. And that all adds up to bing, 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 bong, bing, bong, bing, 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 bing. Another stolen election, Taylor's version. So why is this happening? Why did these two celebrities generate a supernova of fans, haters, and overwhelming scrutiny? Yeah, I mean, let's get into it. I'm Hottie Cornish. This is The Assignment. So once it was reported that the White House was pursuing her political endorsement for Joe Biden, this political chatter around her started to sound, I mean... Judge for yourself. So don't get involved. Don't get involved in politics. We don't want to see you there. Now, I posted my personal theory online that Swift was experiencing a kind of cultural discrediting, a warning. Her detractors were effectively salting the earth in case she did want to make a political move. Now, a lot of you responded to my comments online. So this is a show for you. First, we're bringing in Carrie Champion, sports journalist, formerly of ESPN, not exactly a Swifty. You know, my introduction to Taylor Swift, I, I and I'm going to be honest here, in terms of really being interested in who she is and, and her music, probably came when she started to date Travis Kelsey. I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't. So you are that Swift NFL fan. fan. We. I, I was. Yes, I am the the fan. <laughs> the journalist who's like, Amazing. <laughs> I love it. I am that person. Like, of course, I knew her music. She's in the zeitgeist. I, I know the Kanye incident from the Grammys, but any real interest, not so much. Now. When I realized she was powerful, and this is the political sway for me, was when her, her, her concert went on sale and Ticketmaster, for being greedy, doing what they do, um, disappointed a lot of the Swifties and they got together. And when the AG, the attorney general was like, let's investigate. I'm like, wait, time out. I was like, the Swifties complained so much. They shut down Beyonce's internet. And now we are going to go after Ticketmaster and for right. these ridiculous Like there might prices. be congressional hearings. We need to talk about this. I was like, well, who is, who is this young lady where her fan base literally, and it's not so much about her, but yes, her fan base has decided we're upset and we're going to do something. Now, Anne Helen Peterson knows a thing or two about the power of fame and fandom. She writes about both for a living. Football, she admits, is not exactly her strength. So I grew up in Idaho. I understand football. I'm kind of distant from it, though, for various reasons. Um, and I like he looks like a quarterback. You know, <laughs> like he has that that gravitas. And so, like, I've had to like keep punching it into my head that he's not. And also, the other thing is that like Taylor Swift is the type of person to date a quarterback. Like, just in terms of 
her own mythology. You're not a football person, though, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> Here I am trying to tell you about. I hear you. I hear you pivoting. I'm trying to tell you about Travis Kelsey's star image, and you're like, "Yeah, you don't know a lot about football." This is true. Now I brought them together for this discussion because they each have a deep understanding of these two celebrities, why they're unique characters in their own fields. Carrie started by telling me about Travis Kelsey, his life as a Kansas City tight end before Taylor. Well, the Kansas City Chiefs, right, obviously, arguably one of the best teams in the NFL. This is their umpteenth visit in such a short period of time to the Super Bowl. And he became extremely well-known for a few reasons because I would say Patrick Mahomes, his quarterback, uh, and he being the tight end are a very, very powerful duo. And when they started to put up Brady-Gronk numbers, they gelled together. And so not only were we curious about this Patrick Mahomes guy, but who is this handsome tight end who's giving me Gronk vibes, but a little more attractive with a little more swagger. And oh, by the way, he was dating um, this beautiful black woman who was a social media influencer and he had Ah. a little bit of swag about him. And he was dating this black woman in a way in which he wasn't hiding her. He was taking her out loud. They were holding hands. So we're all paying attention and we're like, oh, he has a little bit of sauce to him, which is why I think Complex Magazine picked up on it. A lot of people picked up on his 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 affinity for the culture, and, and, and so that's when he became known to me. But outside of that, he's excellent at what he does. Like it's his ability to break the tackle, to defend his quarterback, to catch the ball in narrow windows. Like it, it's very special. So that's when we started to pay attention to him. And oh, he just so happens to be handsome. I mean, I'm just right. telling you from my perspective. <laughs> but meanwhile, Taylor Swift, there's a million. Accolades we could say for her time, person of the year, et cetera, et cetera. Recent Grammy winner, fourth album of the year, I think, award for her. But Ann Peterson, what makes her unique as a celebrity figure? You know, I think she is one of a handful of examples of monoculture in a very fragmented media environment. Right. Like she is meaning literally something everyone can talk yeah, about and has or knows some of. sort of access point. Right. Like even if you are not a fan and you don't know her music very well, like people know who she is, know what her like image is broadly, know who likes her. Right. Like she is inescapable in that capacity. And she is also, you know, I've written about this. She likes to work in the most modern sense of the world. Right. Meaning the attention economy. She is a. OG worker of the attention economy. And just produce music. But she she also understands how to wield her fan community, right? She speaks to them in these various codes. Like she loves puzzles mm-hmm. and gives them puzzles mm-hmm. to unlock. Like mm-hmm. which means she doesn't fear the parasocial relationship, no. right? Like some like she, it's not just about having the fans. It's she's building a relationship that they can feel that they have with her personally. And she's open to yes. that. And I th- mm-hmm. She's not hiding and I th- from you know, that. I think celebrities can broadly be divided into two buckets, like celebrities who like being a celebrity and celebrities who kind of hate it, right? Like, I think Ben Affleck does not like being a celebrity. And you could just see it <laughs> in his face, <laughs> right? right? The, the running joke is just putting up photos <laughs> of his unhappy yes. face. <laughs> Which is great that he's paired with J-Lo, who loves being a celebrity. But I also think Travis Kelsey loves being a celebrity. And not every football player does. He loves it. Yeah. yeah, he loves it. and he. But he's starting to regret it a little bit. Like, this is too much. He wasn't ready for this. A lot of these athletes are very, they have they, they have stylists. I think they are ready for the moment. And you're right, there are those who just want to play. I would say Jason Kelsey, Travis's brother, he just wants to play. The rest of that is fine. 
But in terms of celebrity, I, 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 here is what I believe. Football players, by and large, wear helmets, so we never see their faces, yeah. so we don't know who they are. And so they aren't used to this attention, in my humble opinion. And this type of attention is on another level of obsession that they could not even understand, even in, in their collegiate days when they were the guy, the man, the who, the person. Yeah. Um, this fan base, her fan base is so rabid and so intense. No one, t- uh, Travis will tell you he's gotten more commercials. I'm sure after it's all said and done, more commercials, more t- this, he not, things that would never have come to him in terms of an opportunity until he started be dating Taylor Swift. Um, so... While I think they enjoy the attention, it can be startling because of the requirements. And there is one more important character in this story, the NFL itself. If I can understand the NFL's slight obsession, it's because it's the bottom line. And if this is going to bring more money and this is going to bring more viewers and a new fan base, how do we capitalize off of this? They've spent so much of their time denying who they are when they do things wrong because they're so corporate. They spend most of their time cleaning up as opposed to welcoming in, meaning... Mm, So let's talk about that. Um, So I want to tick off some of the issues that the NFL has had to deal with and run a kind of cultural defense against. One is head injuries, the effects on players. Another is off-field behavior, incidents of domestic violence or other kinds of violence. What are some other things? Uh, in terms, uh, and, and, and this is just uh, in terms of the political aspect of sports, this sphere in which we live, the Colin Kaepernick saga, uh, to me, is going to define how people remember the NFL. It was, yeah. it was something It created that, a schism, right? So you have this it, player who starts to speak correct. out about black civil rights. He, in effect, creates a kind of um, visual cue for other players to be with him in the form of kneeling and has Mm -hmm. been denied access to the sport ever since. And, and it was a, it was a blackballing uh, in large part by not only the NFL, but it's, but it's partners in television, it's partners in the league, it's partners um, uh, in sponsorship. And so they have still been trying to recover from that. Uh, They have to still respond to that because they have lost the faith of a huge part of their fan base. And, and there are people still not watching uh, the NFL because of what happened with Colin Kaepernick. So I think that they have spent the last 10 years years um, answering questions about CTE and domestic violence with the Ray Rice incident and Colin Kaepernick in kneeling. And because they've been on defense for so long, this is a story that is a part of pop culture in real time and they can profit off of this. This is the first time that they can say, see, we are wholesome. We are friendly. We are global. We're ta- we're pushing this yeah, sport she's as such a, a nice girl. Sport. Like she's friendship bracelets. A, if she's yeah, here, how bad can it be? It's fine. Right. And you're it's shaking fine. your head. No, it's like a classic deflection, right? This is like a PR masterclass of we don't want people talking about the fact that we, as the NFL, I don't think the NFL cares about women at all, right? Like cares about what happens to women in their homes. Like they don't care about what happens with with alcohol consumption during games and the incidents of domestic violence after the Super Bowl. Like all of these things are things that are secondary or not even thought of at all. But you can deflect from that and you can deflect from all of the different ways that they screwed up handling everything around Colin Kaepernick and and instead be like oh look at this look at this cute american white girl in the like in the box let's just pan to her right it and it's not answering anything that they've done before and deflection. yet when they pan to her there's backlash right. 
Yeah, but that's, here's the thing. I, I and I and I am so happy that someone actually timed it out. Right? It was like about t- two minutes plus of the of the entire games that she's attended. Two minutes total. She is on thirty camera. seconds here. 10 seconds here. It has been the after effect of how the NFL has decided to make this their their baby and own this moment. Um, whether it be her lyrics dropped uh, by the announcers or whether it be um, they're on their on their social media pages talking about well, look at Taylor and the swag surfing and all of it, all of it seems ridiculous to NFL fans. And the reason why it does seem ridiculous because it's not the first time a celebrity has ever been a part of of any sport. Look at Spike Lee; he lives on the court. He, he makes a mess. Yeah, of, or the of, Lakers of in general. Or the right? Lakers yeah. are yeah. with Jack Hollywood. Like, come into, on, listen. Yeah. Celebrities are at events. Men that are famous have dated uh, Tony Romo and Jessica Simpson. I think of this yeah. all the time. This is not the first celebrity couple currently. Yeah, Sarah but if you think about Russell. Tom Brady and Giselle, people, I felt like a, t- a tension and a tenseness about her. They were very mad at her, <laughs> like they're mad at Taylor. They were very mad at Giselle. Giselle, though, figured it out. Giselle learned to be careful and she learned to make it more about Tom so she wouldn't be a part of the, because she didn't want, she felt that energy. And, and I got to bring you it. in for that yeah. because that is a very, I feel like only a female celebrity would have to have all of that calculation going. Yeah, and you've seen, Correct. you've seen like how the, the script has flipped, how some people play around with like, how is Travis Kelsey affecting, you know, Taylor Swift's ability to perform in Tokyo for three hours, because both of them perform for three to four hours, you know, in an incredibly physical feat with all of these eyes on them. And I do think that it's an incredibly difficult place to be. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, what happens when celebrity influence becomes inescapable? Stay with us. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's be real. Lover or hater, Taylor Swift has a lot of power. But I'm starting to wonder, is it limitless? Does she risk a backlash? I asked Anne Helen Peterson and Carrie Champion about that. We are at this moment of incredible saturation, and I am surprised 
that we have saturation of Taylor. Of her, you know. Of her. Taylor. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she has been very You're gonna say what I'm about to say. Very prominent. Yeah, I already know where you're going. <laughs> and then this last Sunday, she appears at the Grammys, and I think the tide turned against her. 100 percent For many different reasons. And some of them, if if you took the what she did in a different context, they would be like, oh, that's no big deal. Who cares? Right? Right. But she she didn't read the room very well. Right. In announcing Mm-mm. a new album at the Grammys. It's just meaning Mm-mm. this person who's already on top is literally is dancing in the end zone, <laughs> dancing in the end zone. <laughs> and using it as another marketing uh, uh, opportunity. I, I almost think of it as like dancing in the end zone or like Travis Kelsey talking about his line of frozen meals at Walmart. Right. Like it, <laughs> it feels like they were she was pivoting to a different moment. And like there are so many different times when she could talk about a new album. But the Grammys are a moment for celebration of music and of each other. And it felt like she was addressing her fans instead of the people in that room. I'm glad you're bringing this up. In politics, there is a tipping point at which you become the villain. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right? Um, Well, and also in comic books, but uh, in (laughs) politics. The reason why I bring it up is because when that happens, you become vulnerable. You become very vulnerable to criticism and to attack. So here's where I bring in what I know politically about these two. Travis Kelsey, in the eyes of conservatives, is part of the woke agenda. Mm-hmm. So, and this has to do with a couple of things, and Carrie, jump in any time. So mm-hmm. he, he did an ad with Bud Light, and this is right around Bud Light was in trouble with conservatives for sure. also doing a paid partnership with a transgender influencer, Dylan mm-hmm. Mulvaney. Re- yeah. He also... Back in 2017, there was a photo of him on his knee in support of teammates who wanted to protest racial injustice, Mm -hmm. right? So going back to Kaepernick, going back to that schism that you talked about. And then the newer one for me that I didn't understand fully the impact of is that he uh, actually did a commercial for Pfizer vaccines. Yeah. So now you're dipping a toe in the vaccination conspiracy world. I just love, like, what if he did the commercial for a flu shot? Would people be like, oh, he's a PSYOP? And and by the way, can I be honest? I don't necessarily believe that he is. Yes, I I do believe that he has an affinity uh, for quote-unquote things that are not conservative. Like, I agree that he probably leans much more uh, to the the other way, but I don't know what, I don't know what his his preference is. No, but that's the point. We don't know, right? His persona is not one of a political activist. It's somebody who just wants to get paid. He wants to get paid. I'm pretty sure these <laughs> these people paid him. He is a guy who wants um, to be paid because football course. players, especially now that he's dating Taylor, so if he needs money, if he's going to get <laughs> a private jet here and there, he doesn't get, he can't, that's not I'm what sure a football, sure a, a football salary does it. A football salary, he needs a dollar or two. Yeah. Like, he likes to I shop. Even, I, you know what I mean? These like are the shop. things that happen <laughs> under the surface politically that the rest of us don't always know about. So there is mm-hmm. a world of people who are very angry with State Farm Insurance, for example. Sure. Because at one point, the company did a book program that uh, included gender identity-inclusive books. And he did an ad with State Farm. So at a certain point, 
He's checked a bunch of boxes for some people who are on the lookout. And he's no Aaron Rodgers. For those who who are listening and, and perhaps a football fan, Aaron Rodgers is one of the um, one of the few, I think, quarterbacks that I have ever met that really takes a real interest in what's going on on both sides. And he is very adamant about uh, I'm I'm an independent, but he speaks very. He's like I hate this COVID commercial. I don't believe in. It. He's very much that uh, athlete who will talk about it. That quarterback. That that persona that says, I know what's going on. Travis doesn't have a clue. And I'm not being, I'm not being um, facetious. He just doesn't have a clue. Like he Mm -hmm. literally is living his life to play football and to make some money because this is what I, I look at it. NFL stands for not for long. They have this very short window of time to make a certain amount of money. He's one of the few, but his position in particular, tight end position, doesn't pay him like a quarterback. Once you pay taxes, once you pay these people, once you live, live the life that you want to live, you see that a lot of these football players so do not retire. So they have to earn while they can. So they have yeah. to earn while they can. And who is, step, step up, step up, step. There are people he probably won't work with, but who has the most money? Who's offering him the most, the best deal? That's where I think he is right now. So we, I outlined some of the things that might have made him vulnerable to this criticism. For Taylor Swift, she has, to my mind, not been one of the most outspoken pop artists in terms of politics. We're not dealing with a Natalie Maines from the Dixie Chicks here. This is not, you know, rest in peace, Sinead O'Connor. But this is someone who in recent years has started to take small actions. So In, I think, 2018, she uh, dipped a toe in the Tennessee Senate race and spoke out against a conservative named Marsha Blackburn, who went on to win, by the way. So it's not it didn't mean it turned the whole tide for the Democratic candidate. Um, She has written public letters to urge the, the Equality Act. She did that in 2019. She called Trump's presidency an autocracy. Um, and spoke out against the White House in a Video Music Award acceptance speech. And uh, one of the interesting moments in her film, Miss Americana, she is talking with her family about speaking out against Marsha Blackburn, um, the the now senator. She thinks that, that if you're a gay couple, or even if you look like a gay couple, you should be allowed to be kicked out of a restaurant. It's really basic human rights and it's right and wrong at this point and i can't see another commercial and see her disguising these policies behind the words tennessee christian values those aren't tennessee christian values i live in tennessee i am christian that's not what we stand for i need to do this i need you to just i need you to forgive me for doing it because i'm doing it And she's in tears. Her parents are in tears. Her father fears for her safety. Mm -hmm. And what did you take away? I'm not even going to ask if you've seen it, because I know you've seen it. (laughs) What did you take away from that moment, and how does it make you think about where she is now? I mean, uh, I think that, you know, you brought up Natalie Maines of the Dixie Chicks. I think that that was one of... Swift's main instructors about how she could and couldn't behave and what she could and couldn't say in a public forum as someone coming from country music. I think that a lot of people and women in particular disciplined themselves according to what had happened to the Dixie Chicks in the aftermath of those comments, right? Being completely excised from your genre and from, from radio play. Right. And just to remind people the scale of that, Natalie Maines on stage 
made a comment about being ashamed of being from Texas because of George Bush. It was like a one-time comment at a concert that went viral before we had viral. Yeah. But you're saying that's that you're saying that was instructional to the next generation. Absolutely. And I think that it took her a long time and a lot of people wondering if she was conservative, right? Like there were a lot of theories that you know, she grew up in a in the suburbs. Taylor Swift. Yeah, Taylor Swift grew up in the suburbs like There's a lot of people who would grow up in that environment and maybe go the other way politically, right? And I think that she, at some point, felt the conviction to set the record straight about what she But isn't that what makes her work for monoculture? Yes. So just so I can understand what you're saying, what is at risk Mm. in the age where monoculture is kind of over, except you're basically this generation's Beatles? Yeah. She is. It's not like she's going to risk being a billionaire. It's not like she's going to... And and just to give you a sense, someone said to me um, online, they said, uh, remember when Lenin said the Beatles were more popular than Jesus and the right wing freaked out and ministers <laughs> hmm. preached against them from their pulpits yeah. and there were mass record burnings and no one ever heard of the Beatles again? I appreciate that uh, sarcasm. <laughs> um the other, th- <laughs> the other thing is said, what if she just, uh, David Oyen Bassoon said, what if she just shrugged it off and went on with her life? If celebrities mm. don't engage in these manufactured freakouts, don't they lose their power? Mm. And mm. So the thing to understand about Taylor Swift is she understands everything that she's doing. Like she understands everything as part of this manufacture of her star image. Like to say that she doesn't know what she's doing is I think to in some ways like undercut her power and her publicist power, who is arguably the most powerful publicist in in the game. At the same time, I think she is a classic eldest daughter, perfectionist type A, likes to win. Like she has been on a winning streak where people think she's amazing for the last two years. And I think is struggling with the fact that she wants to keep producing. She wants to keep winning. She wants to keep uh, keeping people engaged with this rom-com that is her relationship with Travis Kelsey. But she has reached saturation. And at some point, as a celebrity, you are around so much that your image takes on more weight, more meaning than you can bear. Right? And I think she's at that point right now. And she's getting it both from the right in terms of all of these conspiracy theories and then also from the left or people in the middle who are like, oh, I'm just like, ah, just, like, we need a little bit of a break. I want to play for you um, some clips from the One America News Network. I, I won't say the name of the correspondent because why? Yeah. <laughs> why, give them that, why give them that play? Uh, but here's, here's, here's a sample of what they're saying about her now. She despises Trump. And now look, the mainstream media is massively pushing the pop star to continue furthering their agenda. She suddenly becomes political and now she's plastered all over magazines, airports, the NFL, and now even the Super Bowl. It's just 24-7 nauseating coverage. And we're supposed to pretend we don't see the PSYOP? So to your point, Anne, Oversaturation, right? <laughs> Triggers a certain... No, we're not done yet. I'm going to play another clip. Um, and a PSYOP, for people who know, psychological operation stems from the mid-40s, the idea that you can use propaganda to uh, change people's... the enemy's minds um, <laughs> but, by, by telling them certain messages over and over again. That's the easiest way I can explain it. 
So here's another one where she brings in Travis. She just so happens to be dating Kansas City Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey, better known as Mr. Pfizer. Oh, who's now also going to the Super Bowl, which is sponsored by, you guessed it, Pfizer. I mean, let's be real here. This is bread and circuses on steroids. Bread and circuses reference to the idea of, I think, like the Romans era <laughs> of like, if you want to uh, deflect attention from your political mistakes and uh, political problems, you just throw people uh, food and amusements and they won't know what's going on. Finally, a prediction. Let's see who ends up winning the Super Bowl and if there's a major presidential endorsement coming from an artificially, culturally propped up couple this fall. Only time will tell. But don't forget who warned you and predicted it before it happens. So I play this whole thing not just for laughs, but because it has everything we talked about in about 45 seconds, right? (laughs) Like Pfizer, uh, him being a popular... The idea that she's oversaturated and that she's somehow being pushed on everyone. And what were you hearing as you were listening to that? I think it's feeding into this idea that is widely held on the right that somehow liberals are using mainstream media to ideologically influence us. Right. Mainstream culture. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, your interracial couples and your Cheerios commercials, the (laughs) Bud Light, like everything is. Mm -hmm. Everything is colored from one point of view. Right. When, yes, absolutely, the celebrities that fascinate us in a particular moment, a lot of the reason that they do when they're not doing something like playing sports, right, it's because what they seem to represent is something that's really interesting, compelling. It's it's the future usually, right? Like it is where we are headed instead of where we have been. And I think that that's often threatening in various ways. But I also think that they're feeding into this idea that suddenly Taylor Swift is everywhere. Are you kidding me? Like Taylor Swift has been everywhere, She's been everywhere. on and off <laughs> since like I was late. I was late to the party. Yeah, Carrie, I, I, I actually I, I didn't want to say anything, but it was I crazy was late to me. To the party. But I was like, so tell me about the Swifties. Now, okay, she used to date who? Like I start now, mind you, this was always somewhere in my universe. I just yes. didn't care. Right. I've always said this about Taylor. I'm gonna tell you what my my lack of interest was, which is why which is why they're now attacking her and saying she is um, a part of this conspiracy theory. I am of the belief that when you are someone who has this type of platform that she has, you must use it for good. And I never thought it was used for good. I thought it was used to harass her ex-boyfriends. And so my thought process was I can't understand much about what's happening because here's this powerful woman. Are we using our powers for good? I think, you know, with all the publicity that is around her and how strategic she is, I needed to hear that. So you're right, Miss Americana. I thought, okay, interesting. This, as long as we treat celebrities the way they do, the way they wield the power they have is of interest to me. And it is almost on par with political power. Correct. Like, and can you process what Carrie was saying, like, from your point of view? Because you were nodding. Is that because it's a criticism you've heard before? Or because, like, what are you thinking? I think both. I think that Taylor has grown up a lot. I think that she's Mm -hmm. come to understand what her platform means and what she means to younger younger people in general. And I think that that Mm -hmm. you see that manifest not only in speaking out about various social issues, like using that platform to speak explicitly, but also using soft power to do things like register people to vote, 
Mm-hmm. And I know that conservatives think that getting people registered to vote is actually political, but really it's democracy in action. Yeah. And uh, she often <laughs> says, you vote for who you want to vote for, right? When I think about her one public endorsement, at the end of it, it was like, here's all the things I don't like about this person. However, you vote for who you want to vote for, and here's how. Click here. Yeah. And there was measurable increase in voter registrations, right? So that probably unnerved people. Yeah. And I even think about like the way that she is very public about the compensation that she provides to everyone on her tours. And you could say, oh, that's for publicity. But I also think that it's a demonstration of like, I appreciate every piece of labor that makes this happen for me. Mm -hmm. I too did not necessarily think that Taylor was using her powers for good. And my And my view has become much more complicated and nuanced over the course of the, I would say, the last four years. Fundamentally, I care about power. Who has it and how do they use it? And I hear from you guys that Travis Kelsey is only just now understanding what fame is as a power. He's really Mm. just getting the full force of it right now. And I hear you saying that Taylor Swift is coming into her own, possibly, as an adult, which is kind of hard for us to think about because she still sings music from when she was a kid, right? This remastering project Mm. and stuff. It kind of feels like there's a perpetual youth to her. But she is an adult who knows how to wield her fame. And is this a test of their powers? Mm. That's how I hear it. it. Is it a test of her power especially? And is it a test of monoculture? Mm. Meaning... Are we at the point where even our entertainments that seem completely invulnerable, football, Taylor Mm. Swift, can even they be subsumed by our own weird tribal political tendencies? I would say it's a feeble attempt Mm. to try to knock down their power, right? Like the, the much bigger threat to Swift's power in this moment is overexposure. And mm-hmm. I I don't think that the vast majority of people in this country or globally give these conspiracy theories any credence in any capacity. And yes, it's a great talking point when you have nothing else to talk about. Lots of clicks. Right? On far-right radio and, and media just generally. But I don't think that this is a theory that holds weight with most people. I agree. The football fans, after their backlash, what do you think the lesson is being learned? I think if Travis had to do this over again, you talked about his power, uh, he would make this relationship much more subtle. His biggest opportunity to protect his power and his peace is to stay private. Mm. And he doesn't have that anymore. And 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 what and what happens is if the if the Chiefs go on and lose the Super Bowl, there's a backlash. Not not even uh, in a sense that it should be this, but it will be this. It'll be like, you were dating Taylor. It was, you were distracted. You were distracted. Even though he this made one, it to the yeah. Super Bowl. Like, that's the thing. Nope, he it's was like- distracted. He was distracted. And she's going to, and, and unfortunately, in today's society, we see what happens. Yeah. Like, there, there's this pushback against Taylor. And to your point, overexposure is her biggest threat. Journalist Carrie Champion. She's got a podcast called Naked with Carrie Champion. Please do check it out. Also, you heard from Anne Helen Peterson. You can get more of her takes on celebrity and other cultural forces that we can't stop thinking about from her Substack and her podcast. Both are called Culture Study. 
Links to all of their work will be in our show notes. And that's it for today's episode of The Assignment. Now, as always, we want to hear from you. Feedback in any way you want to share it with us. But one of the ways we love is through a voicemail or voice memo. And the number for that is 202-854-8802. The Assignment is a production of CNN Audio. And this episode was produced by Carla Javier. Our senior producer is Matt Martinez. Dan DeZula is our technical director. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of CNN Audio. And we got support from Haley Thomas, Alex Manasseri, Robert Mathers, John Dionora, Lenny Steinhardt, Jameis Andrus, Nicole Pesseru, and Lisa Namarau. Special thanks as always to Katie Hinman. I'm Audie Cornish. Thank you for listening. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.